Hello, and welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you get to hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today, I'm joined by a former professor of mine, Katrina Bennett of Katrina Zakori. So Katrina, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. For those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, as uh, Allison has said, I'm Katrina. I also go by the name K-Train due to my music project. I just recently re- uh, released my uh, debut music single entitled Sweat. And Sweat actually is my journey dealing with hyperhidrosis. And so pretty much everything that I do, it's kind of geared towards what I deal with in my, my, my life experience. So I'm also a fashion designer and textile fiber artist. And I do uh, hand-dye works as well as hand-knotted macrame. And I do a lot of art shows and I also sell online as well. And so my art is going to be geared towards um, anyone who wants to wear the pieces, obviously. But I would uh, say females. And I usually try to work around the issue of sweating. So a lot of my pieces are going to be uh, free-flowing. Uh, they are going to be loosely fitted, hanging away from the body, and natural fibers such as linen or cotton. And uh, I think that's pretty much all I need to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So you've been in business with your brand for about 10 years now, is that correct? My, yeah, my brand, I actually launched the brand in 2010, in the summer of 2010, yes. Cool. So yeah, exactly 10 years. Um, so what like kind of prompted you to start your brand in the first place? Was it because you were looking for clothes for yourself that fit with that more free flowing or what kind of inspired your line? I would say a, a, a combination of things. Uh, yes, because of my, uh, uh, the hyperhidrosis, hyperhidrosis, sweating, excessive sweating issue. But um, I've always had a love of just creating so um, I think that's kind of where my, my passions just kind of dove. I just dove right into the, the fibers, the textiles. Those things are very artistic and appealing visually. And so that's where my, my and even when I'm thinking as a little girl, you know, most, most little girls, girls love clothing, especially dressing up their uh, dolls or other toys and just rearranging furniture and mm-hmm. doll houses, all of this different, all of these different artsy things. And so I would say, uh, you know, having that, that passion and wanting to style and just loving clothing and then um, getting when I, when you, as you grow up and mature, you realize, okay, Hey, you have to have a niche. You have to have a focus. You have to have a direction. And so if that's my, if I'm struggling and if I'm dealing with it, then I'm thinking, okay, there's gotta be a few other people out there in the world that are concerned about this as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much where it, uh, where it all kind of stems from or where it is right as it as it relates to today, dealing with just allowing the body and the skin to breathe. <laughs> that kind of goes into my next question, which is how has hyperhidrosis create, like what unique challenges does it create for fashion and clothing that you address with your designs? Now, when you're saying the challenges, I'm thinking, um, obviously, you have to think about the fibers. Uh, because of some of the fibers, they're very popular and they're, you know, you're going to see when you're, because that's one of the things I do. I don't know about you, but when I'm, I'm looking for something to wear and uh, something that I know that I'm not going to make, I'm always looking at the fiber content. 
-hmm. <laughs> and if it's not a natural fiber, then I'm thinking, okay, oh, that's not going to work for someone that's sweating, you know, someone that gets, ex has excessive sweat going on, not just your, you know, average sweating, everybody sweats, but excessive sweating is a whole different ball game. And then, uh, you know, so you're thinking about the fiber content, uh, you're thinking about the silhouettes, uh, you want someone to feel comfortable, but at the same time, look stylish, you know? So those mm -hmm. are the things that you have to factor in when you're thinking about hyperhidrosis. What are the silhouettes options? What are your uh, fiber contents? And then, you know, just th those are the main things that I'm going to be thinking about as, as it relates to the challenges of design. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because yeah, it's, I'm wearing a polyester shirt right now, and it's a little bit hot. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't breathe very well. It feels, you know, like you're wearing plastic in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, to I totally understand that. Um, so what does your design process look like when you're creating new, new garments and new accessories? My my design process is probably so unconventional because I I I know I realize I am just a, an unconventional type of person, <laughs> so it's not going to be your typical you know maybe uh, how some people are planning it. Uh, like even now, it's just a lot of research, a lot of studying uh, because right now you know it's for me I'm really going within, I'm going deep within and studying. It's all about this uh, process of transformation. So when you're thinking about uh, the individual, uh, every uh, your psychological, the, the way that we think, um, uh, the things that we do on a daily basis, the activities that we're doing, I mean, all of these things are going to be a part of probably someone else's process. But then I, I, I'm always thinking along the lines of, okay, I have these silhouettes. These are, this is what works. I'm not going to get rid of what works. So I'm going to continue to flow with keep these, uh, these basic silhouettes. And then I may add on a couple of, you know, silhouettes here and there just to test them out, you know, and I usually test them out with myself first because I'm the one who's dealing with hyperhidrosis that I know for sure is willing to, you know, try something different, try something new. And so if it's working with me, then I'm like, okay, this is a winner. So we're going we're gonna to stick to this. And then, of course, with the, uh, the, the hand dyeing portion, you know, I think about what colors are, you know, going to be, because color is a mood, it, you know, puts you in a state mm -hmm. of mind and makes you feel a certain way. So because of my silhouettes, I'm, I'm, I play it, you know, kind of safe because, hey, I'm, I'm good with the silhouettes. I don't have to worry about them clinging and showing any unnecessary things that people don't want to see. You know, people don't want mm -hmm. you to see that they're sweating. You know, obviously, the average person is not going to want to walk around with sweat stains on. And, and, and I say that all the time. I'll talk about my all the time, but I don't want you to see see it on my body <laughs> or on my mm -hmm. clothes. And so now I'm thinking about the colors. And so the colors, of course, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to think about the time of the year. And then sometimes I, sometimes I kind of look at the trends are, but a lot of times it's kind of like what my mood is at the same time. So you're, it's hand, it works hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Most of the time when I'm presenting my cup, also think about what has worked in the past and when I'm doing shows, what people are asking for. So you always want to make sure that you're providing what you know the people want. Design, if they're familiar with you and your work, then if they're asking and requesting a certain thing, then you want to work with that as well. So those are some of the fact, the things that I factor in as it, as it relates to going forward in the design process. Yeah, it sounds like you really fuse kind of the art and the fashion together. Um, mm -hmm. with the research. Um, so the creative and the analytical was kind of the fusion of art and fashion, something that you always were interested in? 
Believe it or not, yes. <laughs> when I when I uh, when I decided to go back to school to complete my uh, Bachelor of Arts uh, in Fashion Design, I considered taking up art as well, art courses. But then, of course, when I started to see, you know, the costs and the timing, I kind of just said, okay, you know what, let's scale it back. Let's just put our focus here. And then, you know, later, of course, what's in you is going, you're going to eventually do it no matter what, you know, at Mm -hmm. some point down the line, even if you're not thinking that you're going to do it at that moment, you know, because of different, you know, factors and life situations, at some point down the line, you'll get back to it if it's meant to be. So you, you, you kind of have the background in it and then you dived right in and have kind of that fusion. So do you, like, how do your garments made? Are you the one doing the work, kind of more an artist maker um, model in your business? Or do you have kind of a team that helps you with the production side? So currently I am still solo doing everything myself, but because I do uh, one of a kind pieces, it's not necessarily something that I feel like I have to have someone. And, and, and but at some point there's a, there's a particular item that I'm doing that I feel like, okay, I'm going to have to have this mass produced because it's an item that, you know, it's, it's kind of something, and it's not even a hand dyed item. It's just a pair of cotton pants. And I know that they're a great pair of cotton pants. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to want to keep making these pans over and over. It's just, that's repetition. When it, when it, be, when it becomes, you know, a, rep, a redundant thing, it's like, okay, this is kind of boring. And so I, that's why I love the hand dyeing because, as you know, with hand dyeing, every, every time you hand dye, it's going to come out different. And then even with the macrame, with the macrame, those are, these are one-of-a-kind one pieces, and I try my best not to uh, duplicate those. And it's hard to do it anyway because it's all done by hand, so it's really hard to uh, repeat that same process, I mean, as far as it coming out identical. Mm-hmm. And my goal is always to try to make something unique and different, you know. Yeah, it kind of, it makes it more, almost more desirable in a way. It's, it's this it one does. artisan piece where you you either get that one or you missed out on it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's very true. So you mentioned that you sell at like art fairs and pop-up shops as well as online. Why did you decide to sell doing more of those in-person fairs and rather than I feel like a lot of brands rely only on online? Like what kind of, what kind of drove that decision and what benefits have you seen from that? Well, for one, it gives me a chance to share the process and share this, the journey. And then it gives the, the Patreon or the client uh, an opportunity to get to know the, the artist behind the work as, and, and listen to the story and ask additional questions. Uh, they get to, they're, they're getting to learn so much more about the process, about the artist, the designer. And uh, they're, I mean, it's for them, it's fulfilling because it's like, oh, wow, you know, and it's, 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 it's an um, inspiration. It's very inspiring for them. I see, that, I see that a lot of times some of them may be just as creative, but because they are busy with other types of things in their lives, this, it, it inspires them to want to go, even if they don't go and do it, it mm-hmm. inspires them to want to go and create. But uh, just to have that one-on-one uh, with the, the client and get to hear their feedback and even ask. I have like repeat clients coming back and I always want to know uh, how did it work out? How was the, especially with the hand dyeing uh, works, uh, how does it work out? How does it wash? You know, mm-hmm. give me some feedback and, and then getting that one-on-one feedback is great for me when I'm moving forward. And then uh, also because of the, I have hyperhidrosis, it gives me another chance to share that journey. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so though, I mean, these are a lot of people are not aware of what that means. And they may know someone that it sweats excessively, but they don't know the word, the title, the, the condition, the name of it. You know, mm-hmm. they, don't, they just know it's, it's a lot of sweating going on, but they don't know. This, and it is a medical con- condition. So, so yeah, some of those are some of the reasons why it benefits both myself as well as the client to be able to have that one-on-one experience. Yeah. So it sounds like the storytelling of your brand is very important to that process of talking to the customer and getting feedback and even in your design. Did it take a while to kind of craft that story and how you deliver it? And and, because I feel like a lot of designers, especially when they're new, they know kind of what their idea is and the story in their head, but they have a hard time communicating that to the customer or they have a hard time with the storytelling part of it. They know in their head and they can't like get it Mm -hmm. into a succinct story to tell. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's so important to be able to share the stories. Like you said, Um, did that just come naturally to you or what, what was that process of storytelling for your brand? Well, I want, well, if, if I'm, when I'm looking back on the journey, initially I would say that probably was a challenge for me but I think it was probably more of a challenge because I was trying I was trying to figure out my way trying to find my way into what it is exactly I wanted to do and where I wanted to be and it takes time for the average designer you know to really figure out where exactly because you're you're trying a lot of different uh, silhouettes and styles and uh, maybe uh, demographics initially when you're trying to figure out your your niche like where you want to be your market and all of that it can be challenging because and, then, and what i would say is really being your true authentic self being true to yourself and once you're really really true to who you are as an individual as a designer then all of that is going to flow and come naturally and that's what I'm finding with myself when I'm just when I'm not trying to hide and cover up <laughs> and just let let things just take their natural course. Let's let, let's just work these things together. You know, let's fuse them together. And when you start to fuse things that you feel like, oh, you got you have to hide. You know, that's that's this is how it works for me. So each and each individual is going to be different. But I do feel like, you know, initially it can be when you're trying to find your way into exactly where you where you want to be, what market you want to be, what area do you really want to serve? And, and, and once you figure that out, then I think it's going to flow very naturally. And when you what you have to do is write it all out, you know, write that story and record yourself saying that story and listen to yourself. At, you know what I'm saying? After you record it, listen to it. What did you say? Go back and hear, listen to yourself, because a lot of times we're saying it, but maybe we're not really listening. So it's good to practice when you're with someone you may on your own, if you have to do it by yourself or with a trusted individual, you know, do it that way. But it's, I think those are some of the things that can help you, but really owning who you are, being your true authentic self is really very important. Yeah. And those are great tips to, to practice it, you know, even though you know it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you think, Oh, I, I know know this. I don't need to practice, but yeah, sometimes you do. And sometimes you get in that moment and just sometimes that, you know, it's so much, you have so much going on, so much excitement. So, so many things happening within you and on the outside of you that sometimes you can be at at a loss of words and you can kick yourself. Like, I know that. Why was I struggling? But just practice it when you're alone, record yourself and that'll help. I think. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I definitely fall into that. If there's a lot going on, I better know it like the back of my hand, otherwise I'm going to totally forget. Yeah, and you can't control the uh, the outside. You really can't control mm-hmm. the outside environment. <laughs> so how did you kind of settle into your niche and find who your customer was for the brand? I think going out, having shows, uh, before I started doing the art shows, I was doing, you know, how they have the vendor events. This mm-hmm. is really where you really discover a lot with the vendor events and you see who's wa- who's walking up to you and, and uh, inquiring, you know, and wanting to try things on. And then you start asking them questions. And, and this is how you get to discover, okay, the, the artsy crowd, this is my market. They, the ones that love art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, you get to just have these one-on-ones and then you, they share their experiences and journeys. And then this was when you know, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then from there, you just keep it going. You keep, you know, you keep going, keep doing different events. And you never know. Sometimes you could, it could be a hit or miss. And it really depends on a lot of vari- variables, you know, uh, whatever's going on in the, uh, the, the uh, as far as the economics, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that has a, that's going to have an effect on things. But, you know, it just really depends on what's going on. But you won't know until you get out there and try. But once you tried it a few times and you know what to stay away from, what event to do, what event not to do, what area is going to be, you know, as far as cities, uh, you know, all that, uh, the metropolitan demographics, all of these different things, you kind of figure out along the way. But having the conversation, you know, and and getting yourself out there, and that's what works for me. I really, uh, selling online is okay, but you don't get a chance to really dialogue, Mm -hmm. you know, as much. And some people, if that's that's working for you, hey, depending on your product, it's going to work. But with my product, it's one of those things you have to feel, you have to touch, you got to try it on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, having these types of events where I'm one-on-one, face-to-face works tremendously well for me. That's great. How, how long did it take you to kind of fall into that niche? Like you said, you tried different things in different cities. Um, how long did kind of that process take before you kind of felt like, okay, this is it. I got my, I got my people. You know, it. I would say uh, because I, for a while, even though I launched my brand in 2010, I didn't get into the uh, the selling consistently and regular regularly uh, because I was working full time as an assistant professor. So it was just really hard to try to do juggle all of these different things. I'm still the one that's creating everything, mm-hmm. doing all of my patterns, doing everything. So it was that's very challenging. Yeah, it wasn't until I actually left uh, as you know my full time job to and pursue this what I'm doing now, and that was in uh, when I started really pursuing it heavily and really getting into the hand dyed uh, portions of it was in 2017, and so once I started diving into that, that's the first year that I ever had an art show, and and that's when I was awakened to okay yes let's do this. You know, but prior to that, I had little small events and and um, because the small events were located in art uh, studio spaces that worked, you mm-hmm. know, so that was an eye opener for me to see, OK, this is working, even though these events were very small and intimate. Uh, I had people that were they were inquiring and wanted to know. So that helped. Gotcha. I think just like talking to people, it's always a process of figuring out where's the best fit, where's the best event, how's the best way to tell the story. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it takes a while, but then when when you get the right kind of combination of all those, you can just Mm -hmm. tell it's like, okay, I've got it. That now is is the spot. Mm -hmm. And it's a cool place to be. Well, that's awesome that you, you found that and you've been going strong with that. 
Um, so you also mentioned kind of the economics have an impact on people's reactions and in, in this, you know, how well the show goes and stuff. So I'm curious, how has this year been for you with not a lot of in-person events, I'm guessing? Oh, yeah. With, yeah, with this this year, as far as the sales, they have been the lowest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I am I, I realized what my journey was about for this year. I, it's amazing. This was the first year that I actually had so many shows in the in the spring already set in, in stone and dates and, date, you know, mm-hmm. just all prepared, paid for it, all of this good stuff. <laughs> and then all of them canceled. But I had uh, the beginning of the year, the first quarter, I was able to have a good handful. And then after that, it's like, OK, but, you know, it's one of those things you, you realize it, it, it. One of one of the things I realized when I first when I first got the first cancellation, <laughs> I said, oh, no. And then it took me maybe just a, maybe I, I won't even say an hour. It probably was it was so such a brief moment for me that I realized what was happening. I'm one of these people that I'm so in tune with myself I, when I make commitments to do things to myself. And then, and when something like that happens, like this big, <laughs> what mm-hmm. this uh, uh, COVID, yeah, when this happened, I was in a place where, okay, I said, okay, I see what's happening. It's time for me to take care of myself. And that's where I am right now. So that's why I'm doing a lot of research. But all that I'm doing right now leads up to even better work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's me doing internal work work and self and doing and seeing, you know, what areas am I needing to be more aware of? What focus do what do where do I need to place my focus and my energies right now? Because I can be so creative with my hands and just so busy and caught up that I'm not really taking time to take care of me personally. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens a lot of times with a lot of us. You know, we get so involved with work and meeting deadlines and we have this event and we got to do this and this, this. But yeah, when that happened, I realized, oh, okay, I did make a commitment last year. I promised myself I was going to take care of myself. And uh, that's, this is where I am right now. So it, it, it's, it's at a, um, even though I'm not making the money per se that I would love to, uh, in the end, I realized that my wealth is internal, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and when you know that, then nothing can stop you, you know, and so that's, that's where I am right now. So, you know, we'll see how, how things progress as, as we move forward. We'll see, because I've decided there are so many shows out there that are wanting you to apply. I said, nope, I don't want to apply for any show this year. I'll wait uh, till the end of this year to kind of see how things are even flowing and how it's going to be for next mm-hmm. year. And if it's meant for me, then I'm going to start applying at the end of, of this year for shows for next year. And we'll see how, you know, we'll just see how it all unfolds. But in the meantime, I'm in a great place because I know that where I need to be in that center, centering myself. So. Yeah, but that's a long answer for that, I know. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, it's kind of a big, it's, it's a really good point, though, because I, I think that's something that maybe the fashion industry is starting to realize this year with everything that's happened mm-hmm. with COVID is just, like, we can't continue on kind of this breakneck speed that the industry normally goes on, um, mm-hmm. that, like, we need to pause and stop and say, like, okay, where are we actually going <laughs> What are we, what are we trying mm-hmm. to accomplish here? Is it good right. for us or our customers or the planet or the people making the clothes? Or like, there's so many questions that Factors. Yeah, it's, yes. like, it's, it's a great time. And I think a lot of people have realized like, this is a time when we need to stop and kind of reflect on like, what is the foundation mm-hmm. of what we're doing? 
And where do we exactly. want to go forward from here? And it's hard to, like you said, just like be work, 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 work all the time. And mm-hmm. then you've, you've like forgotten why you were doing the work in the first place sometimes. Right. In the first place. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So that's a, it's a really good point. And like, and I think that's another thing that this year has shown many people in businesses too, is that you can't separate mm-hmm. the well-being of the people who, you know, work in, in the company from the well-being of the company. Mm-hmm. Like we have to learn how yes. to take care of ourselves and it's our health. It's one and the yeah. same. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Like business is not separate from our personal lives as much as business world has made you us think, think it should be. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. It's so true. It's like, if you don't take care of yourself, then, you know, the energy that you're putting out there is going to, it's going to affect the world some kind of way, because this is energy that we're putting out. And I don't think a lot of people think about it. It's energy. So you have to really make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, it's kind of like a catch 22. Okay. Yeah. It affects so many people. So, so many people have probably lost a lot, but at the same time, it's time for us to go and look at ourselves. Let's really, let's do some introspection. Let's look and, uh, re, you know, go back to, uh, the drawing board and see where we are. And like you said, where do we want to go from here? You know, what was the, what's, what's the mission? Mm-hmm. You know, do we need to redefine the mission? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. There's so there you go. It's one of the one of the good things that I think will really come out of this year, even though it's been crazy. Is it's allowing people time to kind of reflect on that mission and what they want to do. So, mm-hmm. do you have kind of plans for where you and your brand and your creative work in general are going from here? Or you're still kind of in the process of reflecting on that and figuring figuring that out this year. I, you know what? I will say I am. I, I it's called, it's kind of like one of those things of you know how you write things down and you discuss them. I do a lot of recording, so if I'm not writing, I'm going to record mm-hmm. it. Because <laughs> when you're when you're recording, I, I figure you can get it out so much faster. Let's just record it. Okay, so uh, yeah, but I am in the process of really just planning because there's so much, you know, and I don't want to just jump. I'm at a place of now just learning how to be patient mm-hmm. and. Uh, just being, because I think that's what we're missing a lot of the times. So you need to learn how to be patient and wait because once you, when you're, and then others, you know, everybody is in a different place. I'll say that. But for me, being patient and waiting, not saying that I'm not, I'm not, not, okay. The fact that I'm being patient is a form of activity because I realize that I'm not procrastinating. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for a sense of direction because there's so much that I want to do, but I don't want to be all over the place. And then I want the things that I do want to do to, to come together and merge into this one where they're still all one focus, but they may be different things. So um, I don't necessarily have anything in stone at this moment. So I'd rather not even go yeah, there no, <laughs> and, you know, and say, okay, yes, I'm going to be doing this. And yes, but there's a few things that I am planning and, you know, I'm just, you know, I've talked to, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, different organizations. So I'm just kind of waiting for, you know, some plans and things to be resolved. And, and then I can kind of have, I'll have more to share once mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'll have more yeah. to share once I have the definite. So whatever. Well, that's great that you've been able to take this time to th- think about, you know, what you want to do and what's it can look like going forward for your work. So I'm curious, I'm going to go back a little bit to your process um, talking to customers, um, what kind of feedback do they normally give you? And 
is how kind of how does that work? Like, is it a conversation where they're just mentioning stuff and you're taking note of it, or are you being intentional about asking for feedback, or how how are you getting kind of that feedback and conversation going with your customers? It really depends on the client because sometimes you have I I have a, a lot of clients that come in and they you know they're very good at complimenting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that, you know, you get that a lot. They compliment. And so uh, it really depends on the individual um, and where they are in the process. Uh, um, Well, let's say this. If I have a client that he or she has purchased something from me before, of course, that's going to be a more in-depth conversation because I'm going to ask, because I always want to know, how are you using the pieces? Mm -hmm. Are you wearing it to, a lot of the times I get a lot of people, they're wearing it on vacation. They see my pieces as vacation pieces. I am going to Florida. I have a vacation uh, home in Florida, or I have a rental and I'm going to be there for three months, you know, Mm -hmm. over the winter. And so uh, they want to get away from the cold (laughs) here and they want to go. And I, and I hear it and I I always say, take me with you, please. (laughs) But uh, so that, that's always great because, you know, that lets me know, okay, these are really going to be great pieces for the warm weather, which I figured that already, but it all, it's always good to hear it still. Mm-hmm. You still want to hear it, even though that's your plan. You want to hear it being said from uh, the, the uh, uh, person's mouth. And so um, I have a few of them. They like to wear them to art events. So if they're going to a gallery opening or something or a, uh, arts talk or something like that, uh, they, they'll, they, excuse me, they're wearing them to things like that. So just to hear, you know, I usually, that's what the feed, that's the kind of feedback I want to get. I always want to know how are you treating or how are you caring? Cause I usually tell people to hand wash cold water and most of them follow that. And, uh, but I had one client in particular, she likes to dry clean everything. So of <laughs> course my, my, I want to know <laughs> how is this hand dye piece working with that? Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to know. And she's like, no problems. She has no problems. So wherever she's taking, because I always think um, dry, you know, it just depends. But the dry cleaning is, can be kind of rough mm-hmm. on your, your garments. It's a lot of chemicals, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And so I always tell people, I know that you may want to dry clean, but I don't know if you trust your local dry cleaners, go for it. But so this particular one, no problems, none whatsoever. So the care, I'm always interested in knowing that how they're treating, how they're caring for it. How is it holding up as far as the colors when they're hand washing uh, for, and no one, uh, so far I had no one to come back and say, oh, they're fading because that's the thing about the colors. They really, they're great colors. And this is why I use uh, Procyon uh, dyes because they are uh, color fast. They last a long time as long as you're treating them well. I mean, you're not washing in hot water. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend washing in hot water. Cold water is a must. And then hanging to dry because I just think if it, if you do that good old fashioned hanging to dry, it's going to last a lot longer as well. And don't get me wrong, there's a few pieces that I've put in the dryer, but and they hold up pretty well. I just recommend hanging to dry because I just think it's going to last a lot longer. So the feedback is just usually seeing uh, you know where they are in the process of uh, their their pieces and then the ones that haven't bought anything uh, they're giving me feedback as far as what they and, and saying especially with the macrame I've never seen anything like this before and I'm from this you know they'll say I'm from the 60s <laughs> and the 70s where macrame was so popular but you know macrame was very popular then uh, I would say the wall hangings which are very popular now they're mm-hmm. coming back as well as the uh, planters 
they were very popular. But then you had a lot of the home furnishings, home decor items people did. I mean, macrame was just like a craze back then. Yeah. And so people, uh, some people even had like the vests and bikini and things like that. But a lot of people would say, I just, they've never seen anything, excuse me, anything like it. And I, and, and it shocks me sometimes because I'm thinking, okay, I'm not doing anything different. <laughs> uh, it's just, you know, that's in my mind, I don't feel like I'm doing anything that's totally that far off. You know, so it could be just the color combinations I'm using because I do, I love to mix the color combinations. So, you know, but I, you know, when people are saying that, it's like, oh, really, really? And I just thank them because, you know, it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's mm -hmm. going to make a person feel good that they're, you know, they're, people are saying they've never seen it. I do, I try to do things where it's not, of course, identical to what we see every day. But then I'm thinking, okay, we, I haven't gone all over the world, so I can't say that I'm the only one make. I can't. I refuse to say that. You know what I'm saying? I haven't gone all over the world, so I know someone is making something similar. It's just maybe it's just you, you just never know. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Because I'm always curious. Again, kind of with the storytelling and customer feedback, it's because I think that's so important. Um, both, you know, once you're in the selling stage, like you are, and even mm -hmm. the work I'm doing a lot, which is I'm getting feedback from the fit model during the development stage. And it's so mm -hmm. important to like talk to a real person and have real people try it on and, you know, care, yes. care for it and wear it like you actually would. And, you know, as a real product, yes. mm -hmm. instead of just like looking at it on a dress form or in a sketch or, you know, um, CAD mm -hmm, drawing exactly. or something because you you can kind of troubleshoot some of the design that way, but it, nothing replaces and at, you know in my mind nothing replaces mm -hmm. the actually getting the feedback from the customer um, or the right model. exactly I agree and then that just brings something else to mind. I did have one piece in particular and someone felt like the under the underarm area uh, it needed to be loosened up a little bit because and the first thing she said us big girls like it. <laughs> that was her comment and then I said okay I'm going to keep that in mind but this was a particular kimono style. I had my original kimono style where it was very loose around the arms and then I decided to incorporate the next year I decided to incorporate a, a slightly different silhouette and I changed it up a little bit. So I said, okay, I got to keep that in mind. So, you know, it's good to, you know, once, like you're saying, get that feedback. And that was the first thing she said, us big girls, we have this arm, this, these arms, they, <laughs> they need space. Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I will factor that in. Thank you for so much for sharing that. So do you size, like, what does your sizing normally run? Like, are you doing kind of small, medium, large? Are you doing a full size run of things? Because um, you said your garments are looser. So it's just curious how your mm -hmm. sizing goes. I keep it very simple for me because I'm doing all of the work. So it's like, yes, we're going to stick with our small, medium, large, and some extra large as well. So mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it just works so much better when you're keeping the size like right up in there. And then I even have a couple of pieces where it's just one size and that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going to go up to maybe an extra large and then at the smallest uh, probably will be a small because the extra small will probably someone would probably feel like they're drowning, you know, in, a, in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, that makes sense for the more, you know, looser fitting products, not to overcomplicate mm -hmm. it with sizing. Um, right. Did you always have kind of the kind of cut and sew linen and cottons and then the macrame or did you add, did you start out, I know you started out with the hand dyeing, so did the macrame come later? 
Yes, with the macrame, I actually have only been uh, doing the macrame. I've always wanted to do macrame. Uh, for years, I wanted, I wanted to just dive into it because I went to an art show and then I saw someone, they did a, a, a very mini wall hanging. It was so pretty. But I remember just even, you know, when I was purchasing fashion magazines, I would see macrame in the magazines and I said, oh, I want to do this. And so I started uh, playing around and messing around with it at the beginning of 2019. So, okay. and and here I am, uh, 2020, and, uh, and it's only been like a year and a half. And but I, when I started, I'm the kind of person. Once I started, it's like, oh, it's kind of like a, I'm just gonna keep going and going like the energizer energizer bunny because I have the time to do it. When you have the time to do it, it makes sense, you know. So mm -hmm. once I started doing it and and started receiving all of the feedback, the feedback was phenomenal to the point where it made me want to go harder and, and you know uh, expand and get so much better. And within a few months, I really the the improvement was just like everybody noticed how great it was. Like initially it wasn't bad. It was just, okay, wow. But then after a couple of months, people were like, wow. <laughs> so yeah, it made a big difference just really diving in. And, and that's what I spent a lot of my time doing. And my hands were like, oh, and people were like, okay, I know you have, I had a few, uh, when I first started off, you would see like the, you know, I guess what do you call them, the sores. Uh, I would have uh, because of the rope. The, 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 yeah, it was the friction of the rope, and then it, my fingers just got used to it, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I didn't have, didn't have any problems anymore. And someone said, uh, "I bet you won't have any arthritis problems." <laughs> so, oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 because that's pretty intensive. I I've not really done any macrame, but I can imagine that's a very intensive kind of process like very detailed mm -hmm. to put those types mm -hmm. of pieces together mm -hmm. yeah and it's time consuming depending on what you're doing if you're doing a very small like I started doing like little small uh pieces that you can put on oh you know like wall hangings mm -hmm. they're very small but at the same time you could use it as neck art as well and then you know I felt like that's where I needed to start just kind of see but then I had to branch out and get into the bigger uh pieces because I love apparel that's me so <laughs> Uh, yeah, so those are much more time consuming. And then, you know, some of the ropes, like one can be very expensive. So you have to factor in a lot of these different things. But, you know, it's just the name of the game. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to what you need, you got to get what you need in order to create. Mm -hmm. So what is your price point for your different types of pieces? Like what's the t typical kind of range of a macrame piece and one of your hand dyed pieces because I imagine being one of a kind they're more of a exclusive higher end mm -hmm. item mm -hmm. they are especially with the macrame but with the hand dyed I if I'm doing like the hand dyed tops of tunics the shorter uh, version of the tunic I would say for those they're going to range anywhere from like 50 and then uh, going up into something like, uh, let's say the kimonos, it really depends if it's a linen or cotton piece, I would say about 125 for the, uh, the hand-eye kimonos. Um, now, now with the macrame, the, with, with the, uh, I do like, sometimes I do like the crop top macrames for the younger crowd because I know they would, they will fall. They love that, <laughs> <laughs> especially with, when they can just put it over, you know, wear it with a pair of shorts or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I would go, my lower end prices will probably depends. It really depends on the rope, uh, where, uh, how I'm sourcing my rope as well. I would say anywhere from like 90 going up like the prices for my macrame are going to be like 90 going up now i do some of the macrame uh, market bags and those are going to range anywhere from like 40 to like 75 uh, on average 
And then I also have some of the neckwear pieces that I do. And I usually only charge about $20 for those I mean, because I try to keep it simple. So, yeah, you that's still quite reasonable for, like, I'm in my head. I like, oh, yeah, you know, with everything <laughs> you're saying, I'm like, oh, man, these these are going to be, you know, really high end pieces yeah. with all kind of the thought yeah. and the work now, with, that you've got that you put into them. Now that now with the the tunics, those are that was just the lower end. I've gone up to as much as like seven hundred dollars oh, wow. so for okay. the tunic. So it's just yeah, that's just the yeah. That's why I said the lower end will be ninety, but then it can go, it can range and go up there. And the, and those are going to be the more intense pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, statement ones <laughs> that range up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, definitely. And uh, those I've spent many, many, many hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many hours that I've had to stop and then take a break and work on something else and go back maybe the next week Mm -hmm. because it's just it's just so it's so intense so yeah well amazing I bet they're beautiful I've seen I've seen some of them so (laughs) yep and then you know that they if you 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 have info access to the uh, website so some of the pieces will definitely be on there as you know it's like if they're available if I still have them I try to put them on the website but once they're sold it's like okay I can't even put that on the website unless Mm -hmm. I just want to show it off you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) yeah and I'll be including your website link and social media links in the show notes so people can click through and see all you have to offer okay great that sounds good so I'm curious to um so you personally have hyperhidrosis and and so that's kind of inspired your silhouettes and, and your f- fiber choices. Um, do you, many of your customers also have that or are they like are they kind of getting the same benefits and are they attracted to the designs um, for the same reason or are they drawn to it for other reasons and that's just kind of like an added thing for them? Mm-hmm. For the most part, I would say um, when I, I because a lot of people they are they are drawn to them not necessarily because they may have personal you know excessive sweating issues, but because they see oh this is breezy and I just want something mm-hmm. that's going to allow my body to breathe. So I get a lot of, uh, of uh, clients. They're more there. They see it and they see, OK, these colors are beautiful, you know, especially if it's that certain time of the year. The colors are very beautiful. They they, they uh, people are drawn into my booth location because of the color and the vibrancy and then the texture with the macrame. Mm-hmm. But then you know, it's usually because it's going to let the body breathe and it's something stylish and the colors, you know, those are usually the factors as it relates to the hand dye pieces. And then. With the macrame, it's like totally different. So that's what really draws them in because they feel like they've never seen anything like it, you know, around. And so usually that's what gets them with the macrame. Not necessarily, they're not thinking about sweating or anything at that point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just, this is beautiful. This is something totally unique. That's cool that it it solves a very specific problem for you. And I bet a lot of other people realize those benefits that it is like breezy in the summer. They can go on vacation Mm -hmm. to Florida because... Yeah, yes. a few times mm-hmm. I've been to Florida, I'm like, oh my gosh, it is so humid here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I want yes, something crazy. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, it sounds like it has a wider appeal than just just people who deal with excessive sweating. That it, it the properties of it is appeals to a broad audience. So right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I have one last question for you, and that is, if you could communicate one value to the world through your clothes, what would it be? I would say uh, the value of embracing yourself, loving yourself, 
knowing yourself. I know that's probably so many <laughs> different things, but really embracing, uh, you know, uh, who you are and accepting yourself and all that comes with who you are as an individual, because everything about you makes, makes up the individual, makes the whole individual. So uh, that's one of the things that I think just learning how to do for myself makes me want to translate that. And I feel that's what I'm doing every time I do an art show. It's like I'm, I'm embracing who I am and this is just part of, this is, an, this is an extension of who I am. And so when you're getting this piece here, you're getting an extension of love <laughs> and embracing, embracing you know, myself and hopefully you'll learn to do the same for yourself. I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> this has been such a great conversation. Um, thanks so much mm -hmm. for joining me. Where can people find more about you and your brand online? So Katrina Zakori, and I'll spell that. That's K-A-T-R-I-N-A. Zakori is Z-C-H-O-R-I dot com. And I have a list of uh, about things that are, you know, you can find out more about myself. I also have a blog. So if you're, you're on that page, you just click the blog. I share a lot of uh, information as it relates to just lifestyle information, and uh, including my hyperhidrosis story, the journey, uh, and uh, of course, my designs will be on there as well. Uh, Instagram, uh, that's Katrina.Zakori. And uh, Facebook as well. And just look up Katrina Zakori for Facebook. I'm also on different other social media sites as well. LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn, Katrina Bennett. And uh, also, I mentioned at the beginning of the program, Katrine. And that's really the uh, the letters K, all caps, K-T-R-N, K-Trine. And I have a single called Sweat, and it's talking about the hyperhidrosis uh, uh, journey, or it's, I'm singing about my journey with hyperhidrosis. It's a really fun, cool, laid-back song. It's nothing sad because I, I'm not a sad individual. I may have gone through a lot of this, but I am a very up, upbeat person, and I love to uplift myself. And this song is really about sharing, uh, giving how to share their story, no matter what the journey is. It may be something you're struggling with, you're dealing with. You know, try not to hide it because when you try, when you hide it, it tends to still control your life in some aspect, some form or another. Learn how to share with a trusted individual if that's what makes you comfortable. But if you want to share it with others, you can do that as well because hey, this is a part of who we are. It makes us who we are as individuals. And we're all here to bring hope and enlightenment to one another. And we should try to do that as much as possible with everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, <laughs> great. I will include a link to the song specifically, um, as well as mm -hmm. everything else in the show notes. Um, thanks okay. so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me and you enjoy yourself and do, you keep doing this. This is great. Oh, I really appreciate I it. <laughs> That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.